I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Senator Patrick Leahy was here yesterday, the Senate pro tem discussing his memoir, A Road Taken. We released that interview as part of our book club selection. He became episode 151. So we've surpassed 150 episodes for book club. Wow. What's interesting is that when individuals are in the news, Oftentimes, because the book club has been in existence only as a podcast for about two years. But when someone is in the news, we'll often say, oh, you know what? There's an interview that I'll say there's an interview that I conducted with that individual. Maybe we should go back and and release it as a book club selection. For example, uh, Colorado River water levels very much in the news recently and quoted in some of the coverage that I saw was Aaron Brockovich. You remember Aaron Brockovich? I'm like, hey, we got to release that. She became episode 146. Or how about this? Given his Senate run, uh, I remember Dr. Oz in a prior incarnation being in studio with me in 2008. He is now episode 88. That's amazing. As a book club sure, select. why not? Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Crist. Who have you talked to? Charlie Crist you know, wins the Democratic nod to face off against Ron DeSantis. He is episode 150. What brings this all to mind is episode 28. Wow, hey, we're going way back. How did he get such a low number? Perfect. David Phillips is the Pulitzer Prize winner for the New York Times and at that time had just released his book, Alpha. You remember this? Eddie Gallagher and the War for the Soul of the Navy Seals. Episode 28 with David Phillips, who is on my mind today for a different reason. The point is, Go back and listen to all of those book club podcasts. You don't have to pay for them. And it's a hell of a lineup. I mean, what a carpool those 151 authors would make. Today, however, David Phillips owns page one of the print edition of the New York Times above the fold with a remarkable story under the headline, Death Lays Bear, Brutality in Training of Navy's Elite. I am one who venerates. Am I using that word correctly as a verb? I think that I am. I venerate Navy SEALs. I I mean, Navy SEALs to me are SEAL Team 6, the killing of bin Laden, Rob O'Neill. I think Marcus Luttrell and Lone Survivor. There have been any number of Navy SEALs who have come through my door in my studio. And, of course, I always want to talk to them about surviving their training course, the BUDS program, 
I respect what they do. I respect how they get to have such elite status. I'm often taken aback because, you know, I envision some six foot four strapping guy who's going to walk into the studio. And oftentimes, you know, they're five, nine or ten. Uh, it's what they've got going on on the inside, I think, that is key to surviving the process. The coverage today by Dave Phillips brings to mind a couple of different questions. One is whether that selection course, the BUDS course, has become too demanding. One data point, which is contained in his coverage, back in the 80s, 40% made it. In a most recent class, the number was 10%. And there's one particular story that Dave chronicles that, Uh, I want him to describe for all of us. First of all, thank you so much, Dave Phillips, for coming back to the program. I really appreciate it. This was an extraordinary report today. It's made me think on a number of different levels about the future of the SEALs, but I appreciate your return. Oh, sure. Happy to be here. So Kyle Mullen, tell me about Kyle Mullen. Who was he? What happened to him? Well, uh, it's funny. You said you imagine Navy SEAL candidates as as strapping six-foot-four athletes because that's exactly who he was. Uh, a state champion uh, football defensive end, captain of the Yale football team, and a guy who had been in the best shape of his life when he, he came to the Buds uh, program and tried to complete it. He did complete it. I mean, that's the, that's the amazing thing. He completed it, but he expired immediately thereafter. It was his second right. attempt, right? What happened in his first attempt? So the the first three weeks of of buds is really when they try to get rid of people. Uh, they call it the attrition phase, and and it is is just like an almost imaginable maelstrom of of exercise, of of near hypothermia and in, in cold water, of exhaustion, of abuse, uh, and the idea is to wash out the people who aren't the, the strongest of the strong, both mentally and physically. So this guy, who was an exceptional like physical specimen, in, in his first try lasted one day. And at the end of that day where uh, he told his family he hadn't been given a drink of water all day, he uh, collapsed of heat stroke. And they measured his body temperature at 104 degrees. Wow. So, so even though he was tip-top shape, even though he probably was what we would think of as an ideal candidate, uh, he, he fell really quickly. And then he went into a medical do-over. Essentially, he had a couple months to recover, and then he could try again. And that time, he made it all the way through that first three-week phase, which includes one week where they call it hell week, where uh, the candidates get almost no sleep and are just driven to you know the end of exhaustion in terms of uh, hundreds of miles of, of running, of swimming, um, other tasks. And, and he sort of lurched over the line just barely uh, uh, at the end of that successful. But a few hours later, he essentially laid down and, and died. When he struggled out of the cold ocean at the end of Hell Week, SEAL leaders shook his hand, gave him a pizza, and told him to get some rest. Then he went back to his barracks, laid down on the floor. A few hours later, his heart stopped beating, and he died. What did he die from? Well, uh, we don't know. The official uh, determination in his autopsy is bacterial pneumonia. Um, But what his family says is, look, what he died from is the negligence the Navy gave him after this course. You know, they had driven him to complete exhaustion. In addition, during the course, he he was having 
pulmonary edema, basically fluid building up in his lungs from spending so much time exercising in the cold water. Uh, and the Navy gave him a routine um, uh, medical check that lasted maybe five minutes and, and said, essentially, you're good, uh, sent him to bed um, and didn't monitor him, even though it had been clear to the medical staff for days that he was he was spitting up blood from, from this edema. So, um, you know, the family says, hey, he died from neglect, not from pneumonia, which would have been easily treatable if they had taken him to the hospital. You report that the course began with 210 men. By the middle of Hell Week, 189 had quit or been brought down by injury. A question that I have, has Hell Week or the BUDS course generally changed over the years? Because you also report in the 1980s, about 40 percent of candidates graduated over the last 25 years, the average has dropped to 26%. In 2021, it was just 14%. And in Seaman Mullins' class this year, less than 10%. So what has changed? Well, I, I wish there was one thing we could point to, because what's interesting is the Navy, for decades, has been trying to make this course safer and easier. And now there's literally a playbook where where each uh, thing that, that the candidates have to do is spelled out, and there's medics watching almost all the time. Um, and yet, at the same time, the SEALs that actually run the course have, have always vowed quietly that they're not going to, you know, uh, lower the standards at all. And so there's some dynamic going on there where even though on paper, things are more spelled out, safer and, and easier, uh, in practice on the sand at, at the base where they train in Coronado, uh, you know, fewer and fewer people are getting through. Well, and you you report that it's not only it's not only Seaman Mullen that on the very uh, same day that he laid down and died, quote, that same afternoon, another man who survived Hell Week had to be intubated. Two more were hospitalized that evening. Right. I mean, it just shows you how these guys who, you know, listen, if Seaman Mullen hadn't died, we wouldn't have known any of this stuff. All this stuff would have been dealt with with quietly, which is what the SEALs have been doing for years. But I think that that at this course, which is is so physically demanding, so brutal, uh, injury and hospitalization are, are somewhat regular occurrences and so regular, in fact, that when this this um, young candidate finished coughing blood, the medical staff didn't think much of it. They said, yeah, just go down and uh, go get some rest. This is Dave Phillips, twice a winner of the Pulitzer Prize from The New York Times. He covers the military. He's the author of Alpha, Eddie Gallagher, and the War for the Soul of the Navy SEALs. Okay, Dave, so your page one above-the-fold story in the print edition of The Times today is one part about the hardship of Bud's training, uh, but there's a second aspect of the story, and that is about what what is seemingly rampant drug use by individuals who are trying to survive this gauntlet. Explain. Right. So if you have a, a course that is so physically hard that very few people finish, the candidates are naturally going to look for an edge. And the, the, the easy answer there is steroids, uh, human growth hormone, and other types of drugs that you know, can boost performance. You just like uh, competitive athletes, uh, we'll, we'll search for this advantage to, you know, these, these elite athletes who join the SEALs do the same thing. But here's the difference. If you are doing an Olympic sport, you get tested. And in the Navy, surprisingly, I couldn't believe this when I started reporting, uh, they do uh, no 
uh, universal testing for any of these drugs. So they're allowed to spread, and, and the commanders who are in charge of running the, the BUDS program have no authority to test everybody. So maybe no surprise, all sorts of people are, are getting by with a little help. You report the SEALs want operators who can find unconventional ways to gain an advantage against the enemy. And then you quote an individual as saying, you want guys who can solve problems in war, guys who know how to play dirty because war is a dirty game. An often heard unofficial adage in the SEALs holds, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, this is probably one of the most unique aspects of the SEAL culture. You know, unlike a a Marine infantry unit or something where where strict order and discipline are are sort of the bedrock. The SEALs really prize what they call creativity. You know, the idea that you have, have freedom and are encouraged to think differently in war. They're unconventional forces, and they should be allowed to take unconventional approaches. Uh, and what's interesting is, is the historian who you quoted uh, in there, he told me, well, one of the uh, kind of strange uh, uh, products of that is that people will take that same unconventional approach and they will use it against the course itself. So if you can gain an unfair advantage in war, that's great. But if you take that same thinking and say, how can I gain unfair advantage in this selection course? What happens is eventually you select not for your best candidates, but for your candidates who are the best cheaters. The calling of 911 in a moment of hardship, What what's the, uh, what's the, What's the edict? What's the rule? What's the protocol on that? I think probably on paper that's fine. But in practice at the SEALs, uh, if you're a candidate who's injured, you're supposed to go to the the, uh, BUDS course medical staff, which is right there by the beach where they train. The problem is these guys don't keep a 24-hour staff. So even though training goes on all day, and a lot of times these guys are really beat up even after training and, and may need some help, uh, there may be nobody there. Um, what was interesting to me, though, is, is that the students are, are, can be punished for seeking outside care. I don't exactly know why. I think maybe the, the SEALs want to avoid scrutiny for, for what's going on at the SEAL program. But in one instance that we wrote about, there was a, a candidate who got dangerously hypothermic, went unresponsive. And so naturally, uh, his friends called uh, the medical clinic, no one was there, uh, so they called 911. The next morning when the uh, instructors who were running the program found out, they punished everybody uh, there for calling 911, making them do extra sit-ups, extra push-ups. And when everyone, whenever anyone collapsed from an exhaustion, they made the kid who had, had been hypothermic go jump in the ocean. I think they told me that he ended up jumping in the ocean something like 20 times. Hey, Dave, I'm going to take calls when you leave me in a moment, and I can imagine that some will hear this and they will say, oh, here we go. Now now even the BUDS course is going to go woke. If you really want people who can kick down the door and kill bin Laden, this is what it takes. What should I be saying to them? Right, and I think that's fair. What the SEALs will say is, hey, we need this kind of bare-knuckle selection course to do our job. You've got to find the guys who, who, no matter what, won't quit. I mean, the problem is, is if you let the course become so hard that people feel they have to cheat and you're only selecting cheaters, are those the people that you really want out there? Or do you end up, you know, potentially having more um, problems with people getting to war and, and doing things that you don't want them to do? What a story. What does his mom want to come from his death? 
I think, accountability. She wants this relatively closed and secretive course to have some oversight so that other young men who go through it, you know, can do it safely. Yeah, and she's a nurse. That's right. They say it's training, but it's torture, and they didn't even give the proper medical care. They treat these guys worse than they are allowed to treat prisoners of war. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can understand her pain, the son that made it through the hardest part of, of the BUDS course and then died because there was no medical staff monitoring these guys. Dave Phillips, what a great report. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing it, and thank you for your willingness to drop by and discuss it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dave Phillips is a national correspondent for The New York Times. He covers the military, twice been awarded the Pulitzer Prize. Latest book is Alpha, Eddie Gallagher and the War for the Soul of the Navy Seals, which is a great read and which is a book club selection of mine. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. I have to imagine in this POTUS audience, which has tentacles everywhere, that we've got individuals who have survived the BUDS course and some who attempted and failed the BUDS course. Can you enlighten the rest of us? Do do you remember that I also had Scott McEwen on this program? Scott McEwen was here February, February of this year, I guess it was Uh, interesting. Just let me give the quick background, TC, co-author of uh, the American Sniper guy. Who am I? Who am I thinking of? Oh, damn. Kyle. Kyle. Hang on. Okay, I'm embarrassed. No, it's okay. He wrote a book called Hell Week and Beyond. Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle. Thank you. He co-authored Chris Kyle's book. Uh, wrote a book called Hell Week and Beyond, very, very ingrained in the in the SEAL community. 
and described for us in some detail what that Hell Week is all about. Walk me through some of the elements of Hell Week. Hell Week involves extremely strenuous activities such as carrying of boats on top of your head for miles, jogging for miles, 10-mile runs in the sand, uh, jump in the ocean, deep freeze yourself to the point where you're almost hypothermic, and they'll pull you out of the water, and then you go back for another 10 miles. Essentially, you get four hours of sleep in five days, and they found that the, the brain degrades, I mean, literally degrades, if you don't get any sleep over that period of time. So they will give you approximately four hours of sleep over the five-day period that Hell Week runs, uh, hundreds of miles of running exercises in the, in the cold water, uh, things of this nature, swims, you know, in, in, in the Pacific Ocean, which is right now runs about, you know, 50, 50 plus degrees, very cold, and basically bringing you down to the point of hypothermia, which is the cold part of it that, uh, that, that tests these men to the, to the nth degree. Four hours of sleep in five days. Is it just too much? 40% of candidates graduated in the 80s. Over the last 25 years, the average has dropped to 26%. 2021, it was 14%. In Seaman Mullins' class this year, it was less than 10% who survived. Has it just become too difficult, or are you in the camp that will argue, here goes another tradition, and we're going to water down and eviscerate the Navy SEALs if we make any changes to the process? And there's the drug issue. I mean, that's a serious issue. I, I didn't realize it. It's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that there's such close monitoring of the program and Hell Week in particular, but no drug testing. What to make of that? Of course, that story not only is in the print edition of The Times today, but it's linked at Smirconish.com. Tell me what you think about my conversation with Dave Phillips and the tragic passing of Kyle Mullen. Kyle Mullen who joined the Navy after being captain of the Yale football team, was just 24 years old. Michael Smirconish. Todd, you're in Davenport, Iowa. I understand you've got some knowledge of the subject. What did you want to offer? Well, I, I'm a retired Navy corpsman. I am not a SEAL, have never been a SEAL. I admire those guys more than I can say. Um, when I was doing a school in San Diego called Independent Duty Corpsman School, I had the privilege of working at the physical therapy clinic there, taking care of the, the injured candidates that were being held up so they could go back into class after we fixed them. There is a lot of technology that goes into this on the medical side. Just one minor example, every time these candidates are going through Hell Week, they swallow a capsule. That capsule stays in their system and actually gives us their temperatures throughout the process. Wow. We can monitor Damn. them remotely to know exactly what their temperatures are. This is a hard school. It's meant to be a hard school, and it's that way because I spent a long time with the Marine Corps. If, me, my, if I get captured in the middle of nowhere and I need somebody to come save me, I want the best that we can possibly put together. I feel for this loss because this is a loss, I think, for the Navy, for the family, and for the SEALs. This kid sounds like he could have been a really good SEAL. But I yeah, don't it's, it's so see damn sad. But you're you're worried you're worried that in response to this and the other stories that we've shared and the data that they make changes and it it becomes diluted. The other problem here we have is you look at numbers you say 40, 20, 14. I've seen the same thing in my program. We were ship's doctors basically as enlisted men. We had we were up there with the seals in the nuclear school for the most fail outs. 
because it was a demanding course, ours intellectually. You can't let a, you can't ease those courses off to fit a change of the people going through them. And I would okay, like well, to, what account? That's big, that's something that. that's something else I want to get to because I I have a suspicion that these percentage declines could be applied to law enforcement as well. I I know from the stories I read about departments, including right here in Philadelphia, struggling to to attract. Uh, candidates for those jobs. And if that's taking place, we need to ask what accounts for it. Todd, thank you for that. Let me go to Washington, D.C. Charlotte, what do you have to contribute to this conversation? Thank you for calling. Hey, how you doing, Michael? I'm a fan of Hi. the program. Um, thank you. I- I'm, I'm a former infantry, and I-, I just want to make this absolutely clear to your listeners. This is not just the SEALs. There-, there are steroids used in the-, the Marine Corps, in the Army. Any combat arms specialty, you're going to find folks, personnel, who are using you know, human, you know, HGH or whatever the hell. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not saying it's pervasive, but it's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I trained with other units. You know, I, I, you know, saw this quite often. It's not just something that's, that happens in the SILs. And I, I really hope the reporter who did this will look into that as well. It's a big part of the story. Thank you, Charlotte. I encourage you to read the story. It says this, the prevalence of drugs at BUDS has some men in the top reaches of the SEALs deeply unnerved, not just because drugs may have contributed to the death of a sailor, but also because they see their spread and the lack of discipline and order it implies as a threat to the entire SEAL organization that could grow to unpredictable and ugly ways. Sailors who enter the program bolstered by steroids and hormones can push harder, recover faster, and probably beat out the sailors who are trying to become SEALs while clean, said one senior SEAL leader with multiple combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. The inevitable effect, he said, is that a course designed to select the very best will end up selecting only the very best cheaters. This is Holly in Houston, Texas. Holly, greetings. What did you want to offer? Hey, good morning, Michael. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, you know, my brother is, is an Army Ranger, and that experience, he said, is by far the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. He was, you know, very close to, to not making it through, but, but he did at the end of the day. And, you know, as challenging and, and difficult and as much as we might question those practices, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody else I would want to be in, in those situations. You know, I think that training is necessary um, to, to know that in a combat situation, they have the skills to, to overcome and, and, um, and come out the other side. I'm sympathetic to the, the family in the case that I'm describing, but I'm also sitting here and I'm thinking when it came time to land those helicopters in Abbottabad, in tight confines and go up the staircase and take out bin Laden. I, I want the guys who survived this hellish experience to be at the top of the stairs. Absolutely. Yeah, I com- I agree completely. And, you know, it's a choice. I mean, he didn't have to do that training. He could have stayed in the service and not been a ranger. And so I think, I mean, I, I can't, you know, it is concerning that the, that the rate is dropping and that, are we going to have enough qualified people to do this? That, that is a concern, and, and I don't know the answer to it. But, you know, I, I, I don't think easing up on some of the training is necessarily the, the answer. Thank you, Holly. Back on the SEAL question and Hell Week right after this. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. 
Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. John in Virginia Beach is the man I'm looking for. You are a retired Navy SEAL. So what are you thinking when you're hearing the story of the seaman who passed as a result of Bud's training and then the other data that I've shared? Well, um, thank you for having me and I enjoy your show. Um, uh, it's a slippery slope. So um, one thing you need to know, when you get to SEAL training, it doesn't matter if you're a, a collegiate swimmer, a dude on steroids, a, a, a guy coming out of the fleet, the instructors will find a way to break you down to, to even. You all start off with a PT test and a qualification to get there, and they will find a way to make you even. So for a guy taking steroids to think that that's going to make him to get through training, it, it's simply not true. I had a catastrophic injury doing a thing called cast and recover, and I ripped my pec muscle off. Yeah, I went to I went to Tijuana and I got out of the bar because I wanted to get back in training. I had to build up the muscles around my chest muscle to get back in training. I did it as a 58 year old guy. I'm suffering consequences of that now, but I wouldn't have changed a thing. Um, the other thing about SEAL training is when you're about done and the instructors are kind of being your friends and you know what SEAL team you're going to, they will tell you. This isn't the hardest thing you're going to do. And that's hard to believe going through SEAL training. And sure, it's SHIT. You get out on a mission, and SEAL training is not the hardest thing you're going to do. 
Do I want a guy with me that's going to do everything they can to accomplish mission? Absolutely. Are guys making it through SEAL training because they did steroids? Maybe, but the instructors are very, very clever doing it since the early 60s to weed out the bad guys. And, and that being said, um, I don't think they changed training with killed guys in training before, class 150, had a guy die of hypothermia. We've had some other, other casualties along the way. There was an incident for SAR swimmers in Pensacola that resulted in some changing in training in our training in the 90s, much after I went through with these, these warning cards. You could put up a card and have training timeouts. That didn't work because it was diminishing the, the um, candidate. That being said, I don't think they change it. They might scrutinize a little more, but those instructors are damn good. They will find a way to get you out of training how, if you're not qualified to be a SEAL. How close did you ever come to ringing the bell? Never. Never close? I went it, not even close. So here's the deal. is I went there wanting to be a SEAL 100%, and I came out of an EOD community. Ah, damn it, bombs and did a bunch of other stuff. So that being said, when I went to Bud's, 100% certain I wanted to be a SEAL. It never crept in my mind. In that six months of training for my time, now it's a year, they do it contiguously. In that six months, I never wanted to ring it. In that six months, if you have any doubt that you are there for the role, the instructors will find a reason, even if it's 1%, and you would wind up quitting. The numbers haven't changed since um, the early 60s, and they track it all the time. It's between okay, but why, know, but, what, but, 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 but why, why in the 80s, 40% graduated, most recently 10%? Is that because the program I, changes I, I or because at, the type would, of I candidates? I would look at those numbers a little harder. You don't, you don't buy I them? Have, I have never heard a number internally, and I still attach to the community on different things. I have never heard a number internally, honestly, saying that 40% of the people made it through training. I mean, in the in the I've course, heard, in the I've course described 18, in detail 18, in this story, they uh, they began with 210. By the middle of Hell Week, 189 had quit or been brought down by injury. It's astonishing, John. I have to run. Thank you for your service. I mean it, and I appreciate Absolutely. it. I respect anybody who could who could survive this process. Uh, Daryl, Fort Worth, Texas. What did you want to contribute? I'm actually interested in the numbers that um, that are used to calculate the 40, 20, and 10%, uh, extending on to what the uh, the caller was saying. For example, if there are 200 applicants and only 100 SEALs are needed, then is that uh, does that pass rate affect uh, how many folks are getting through? I don't think so. I think either, you know, you it's, it's apples. I, I don't know. But I would think it's apples to apples. It has nothing to do with their needs. It's how many came in in the, in the class and how many were there when it ended. Well, if there uh, if there is a certain need, uh, let's say a hundred seals are needed, will they change the uh, the class? Will they change the parameters for passing throughout? I don't believe, Daryl. I, I feel I feel pretty confident in saying that they do not do that. I've interviewed a number of people over the years about it and individuals who've come through it, and I've I've always asked the consistency question, and I'm unaware if they've ever made changes. That's the the best I can that I can do in answering. Anthony, you're in Fort Worth, Texas. Greetings. What did you want to say? Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Hi. Sure. Um, I, I think one of the questions we should be asking is, um, you know, has the mission we've been asking these guys, you know, to tackle in today's times gotten more difficult? And if it has, then should the training then, you know, evolve and become more difficult based on 
situations we're asking these guys to, you know, to go out and do in the world. My brother was a combat medic. He served a couple of tours um, overseas. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, was a track star, football star. And, you know, the training that he did was, it was, it was tough. It wasn't Bud's, their version is Sears, but, you know, it was difficult. But when he was over there and he came home and he talked about the missions that he did and, and these guys, they don't think twice. And they're, they're trained that way. When, when something happens, when something bad happens, they, they don't think twice. They jump right into it. They jump out of the – they're running towards the fire. They're running towards the guys shooting the guns. They're running towards these guys. That's the level of men and women that we need to carry out those missions to make sure that our guys come home safe and, and bad people are, are put down. So, uh, you know, condolences to, to the family that lost that young man. Uh, you know, we should honor his sacrifice. Um, but, Anthony, you know, question for you: the the mom, the mom in this case, the mom of the seaman who passed, wants congressional yeah. oversight. You think there should be congressional oversight? I, I do because I I think the I think the young man, um, you know, he made it right. The guy the guy showed up. Uh, he put his heart into it, and he sacrificed his life uh, for something bigger than himself. Uh, he was uh, at, at the end of the day he he. He proved in a, in a in a very horrific way that uh, he was willing to die for his country, and I, I think that uh, he should be honored for that, absolutely. Oh, I, I definitely honor him. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. Seaman Mullen was assigned to an internal recovery unit where he had four months to mend before a second attempt at Bud's. During that time, he helped care for other injured candidates recovering in the barracks, according to his mother, whom he called regularly for medical advice. Many men were coughing up bloody fluid from a condition called swimming-induced pulmonary edema, a potentially life-threatening ailment that is so common among men training in the frigid water at BUDS that SEALs refer to it casually by the acronym SIPE. During his four-month wait, his mother recalled, Seaman Mullen started talking to her about performance-hancing drugs. Men he met in recovery were using steroids and human growth hormone, he told her, and he was considering it. He told her he would have to buy a used car as a place to stash the drugs. Mom says in all his years playing sports, he had never touched the stuff. I told him not to do it, but he ended up getting the car and sharing it with a bunch of guys. And so the story goes. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. 
because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.